Welcome to Stuff You Missed in History Class from HowStuffWorks.com. Hello and welcome to the podcast. I'm Tracy B. Wilson. And I'm Holly Fry. And we're going to do something a little different today, this early in the new year podcast episode. We get a lot of listener mail. Yeah. We've discussed this. We try really hard to answer it all and we mostly fail. I know I most do. of it. I fall into that trap where I'm like, I'm going to answer this when I have 10 minutes to really think about an answer and not just dash something off when I don't have time to check my facts or like really think through a good response. And then 40 more emails come in. 10 minutes never happens. Right. So I really don't mean to slight anybody. Yeah. We, we get a lot of emails that are on sort of the same theme. We get ones that are like, have you ever thought about doing an episode on such and such? Yeah. And that answer a lot of times is... Either yes or no, like it's not actually a satisfying answer. <laughs> we have thought about it. Yeah. Well, or we get a lot of, can you do an episode on or will you do an episode on? And that answer is pretty much always maybe. Unless, yeah. unless we happen to be actually in the process of researching that right now. Uh, yeah. That answer is pretty much always maybe. But there are some other ones that we really get the same question over and over and over again. And some of them are things that people are specifically asking us to talk about. So today, we have a, a selection of these frequently asked questions that we get from our listeners, uh, and we're just going to answer all of them so that we can point people to this podcast in the future when we continue to get those same questions. Yeah. How does that sound, Holly? That sounds delightful to me. I'm actually and pretty also excited. will probably be more fulfilling to the people that we never answer. I hope. Yeah, I hope so. Um, and I, I will, because uh, a lot of these are questions that I have answered like I've sent basically the same email yep. a whole lot of times. And, and so I can tell it's one that, that there's some legitimate interest in. Um, this first one, this particular email is from Heather, but it is a question that we get a whole, whole lot of times. And she starts off by suggesting several different episode topics. And the last thing she says is, lastly, I'm wondering if you would ever consider recording a podcast about your podcast, specifically how you do the research for your stories. Are there certain websites that you can recommend to those of us who want to do research on our own? What type of libraries do you use? How do you get started? How long does the research take for any given podcast? And most importantly, how do you fact check yourself? I think I'm not the only listener that would be interested to hear about what you do behind the scenes. That last part is definitely true. (laughs) We get so many emails asking us how we prep and do our research. Yeah, I think we start with uh, figuring out what to talk about. And sometimes that is a laborious task. It really is. Sometimes, I mean, the the bottom line is that uh, we have long lists. Both of us, we have one big list, and then we each have our own individual lists, I think. Um, and I, I survey mine, and I try to find a thing that is going to pop out and just grabs me that week. And it, it just because something doesn't grab me one week doesn't mean it won't the next week. But in any given week, yeah, I really got to be pretty interested because you're going to be spending a lot of time with the topic. Well, and usually when I write something on the list, I'm so excited about it. And then when I actually have the chance to six weeks later, later, when you go back, you I, may not have the same fire. It isn't striking me quite as much anymore. So one of the things I also do to kind of narrow it down, and sometimes the opposite happens, is to look at what we've talked about recently and try to Think of something that's different from that so that we're not covering the same exact yeah. subjects over and over. Yeah, I do the same so that we're, it's not all Victorian underwear every week. <laughs> as much as that would be awesome. <laughs> it would be a very natural day-to-day thing for me. But. Yeah. Well, and sometimes we do have little patterns where one thing will lead us to another thing, will lead yes. us to another thing. Like the recent episode that we had about uh, the Hessians 
kind of led me into something that we're recording in this session today about the Battle of Hastings, because I just discovered that I enjoyed talking about the battle and I wanted to talk about another one. So we we do have little patterns that emerge, but uh, trying to find something that we haven't just talked about is another part of it. Once I have a subject, it's time for Google. Yes. And I think you and I do a pretty similar thing here where we do a quick yeah. Google search initially. Right. And for me, I'd kind of end up writing out, usually in pen and paper, it's not even a typed thing, like a quick four to six point, I don't even want to call it an outline because that makes it sound way more structured than it is, but like kind of the the points that I feel like have to be hit in that story. Mm-hmm. And then that guides the rest of the research. That's I don't do that. Oh. Maybe I should. <laughs> Because what happens to me is uh, I, I sort of Google, and Google is kind of a gut check for me of is there enough information about this person out in the world? Because sometimes it's clear as soon yeah. as I Google that there's a Wikipedia page and nothing else. Yeah. Uh, and that that's probably not going to work. So if if Google makes it clear that, yes, I'll be able to find information, then it's time for Google Scholar. Uh, the University of Georgia system has a database of stuff that you can get to with your library card if you're a Georgia resident. Yep. Um, I use that to look at a lot of academic papers. I sometimes will get books, depending on if there are books that are in print and in our budget. Yeah, I am. Uh, one good thing about the fact that we do a lot of history mm-hmm. is that often places uh, like Amazon or Barnes and Noble will have ebooks that are free because they're basically either public domain or they're just elderly enough that they're really not. Yeah. The Those I'll get delivered right to my phone and I can be reading them on the train. I while do that I'm too. commuting. I get archive.org or Project Gutenberg or things like that. Um, also, sometimes it, it really depends. Sometimes we're able to get something from interlibrary loan. Mm hmm. I know I did that with the Hessians. Yeah, because you could only find one really good book that you wanted. Yeah, it was and way too like expensive. One place in Georgia had it. <laughs> yeah, there was pretty much one copy of the book in all of Metro Atlanta that they sent to me. So I spend a lot of reading and rereading and synthesizing stuff into notes. Sometimes at this point, it goes completely off the rails, and I realize I've made a terrible mistake, and I have to start over. We have both been in that boat. Yes. Sometimes I am in that boat multiple times in one week. <laughs> I don't envy that. I don't either. I don't want it to happen ever, but it'll be like, I'll get to a point and I'll just realize like this, there's no story here. Like it's, we're, yeah. we're just kind of, you know, it's facts and figures, which can be great. But if that's all you have and there's no more meat to it, it's not really very engaging. And if it's not engaging to me in the research phase, there's no way it's going to be engaging as a discussion. Yeah. After the the Red Wedding episode of Game of Thrones and everyone was asking us to talk about the massacre at Glencoe mm-hmm. and the, uh, what was the other one? The, the Black Dinner, I think, was what the yeah. other event was. Uh, people were talk- asking us to talk about that. So many people were talking about it that I thought I don't really have anything new to add to yeah. what everyone is talking about right now. And I thought about doing an episode that was on the history of hospitality, which sounded really cool to me because when you have so many um, cultures that are, are based on uh, really extreme climate or being kind of a migratory culture, the idea of hospitality tends to be really entrenched in the culture and really important. And I was like, we'll do the history of hospitality. That'll be awesome. And within an hour, <laughs> I had, there was a whole, like, I had this giant stack of papers, and it became immediately clear to me that that was not going to work. I had to pick something else. So, yeah, sometimes it does become start over territory. Yeah, sometimes you end up on this raft of tons of general information, and there's 
there's no clear path to make yes. an actual thing out of it. Right. That was the problem with yeah. that. It was never going to be soup. <laughs> it's just going to be some water yeah. and one bouillon cube and like a sad carrot. That's exactly what it was. Uh, once I have all that stuff, I start taking notes and working the notes into the story and reading and rereading the synthesized copy of notes to, to try to get it into something that's going to be cohesive and have a beginning and a middle and an end and all of that kind of thing. Making sure I got my facts right. Yeah. Uh, I do a thing that drives, uh, my husband, IT people, anyone with a lick of sense crazy, which is that for all of my online resource, like I get all of my resources open at the same time. Me too. And like if I have books, I will have books laid out at the same time. I may have a thing pulled up on my phone. Uh, at the same time, I will have literally 30 tabs open in a browser. And then I try to incorporate, I'll review it because usually I've read it all before. And then I'll review it. And as I feel like I'm done with this item, I will close it. And so I can kind of get a constant visual of where I'm at in terms of my progress on prepping uh, by how many how many big, messy sources are still open right. versus how much I've whittled down. Yeah, I we get a lot of questions about whether we use like Evernote or something to keep up with our research. And I, I do not. I don't either. I started at How Stuff Works in 2005. And a lot of the tools that exist today were either weren't there yet or weren't quite ready for prime time yet. And so I just developed the system of bookmarking things and opening all my bookmarks in, in tabs, which is still what I do. Yeah. Uh, even though there are much more sophisticated research tools now, that works for me. And that is what I do. Uh, once I have this thing, the last thing that I do is the pronunciation check. Yeah. There is a lot of time spent on pronunciation checking. Which I think there are, are naysayers who think that we do not ever do. We do. We're not always good at it no. when it comes back out of our mouths. No. But we do check it. We Yes. I uh, I remember with the Say Shonagon episode, uh, I was watching Japanese language things with subtitles to, to make sure that I got the words correctly. And then I sent uh, the, every proper name in the entire thing to uh, the, the boyfriend who speaks Japanese and has lived in Japan and... And, and like synthesized all of that Andy. into a comprehensive. And I think we only really messed up one word in that one, which made me <laughs> happy that with all of that Japanese, we only made one complete mess up. Um, I also do. Um, it's almost a uh, fact checky gut check slash dress rehearsal mm-hmm. where I will data dump kind of the story on either my husband or a close friend and the questions that they bring up. Are ones where I'm like, ooh, I need to do more research. That is, yes, I do that sometimes too. And bless the humans that have to put up with me <laughs> doing that. And sometimes even after we're done with the podcast, I'll want to keep talking about it and they get those too. So all the people close to me in my life, I'm so sorry. Oh. I've told you there was an incident at Dragon Con where I had a dream about Clyde Tombaugh during a panel and woke up going, Clyde Tombaugh! <laughs> I <ever> do <laughs> remember that. nothing to do with what was going on. And then I really wanted to talk about it. <laughs> it's okay. The very last thing that I do sometimes as I'm seriously sitting here at the microphone is uh, figuring out what listener mail I'm going to read and and what article on how stuff works we're going to talk about. Yep. That's thing number last. Yep. So that's basically the process for me as well and on we re- that end point. We record it on microphones. Our wonderful producer, Noel, who's very tolerant and sweet. Yes. Um, our previous podcast, which was called Pop Stuff, we pretty much came in and sat down and recorded it in one take. 
that is not how this podcast works at all. No, there's it's too easy to flub up a um, fact or a year or somebody's name. And you don't want that. No. And for as much as we do it, it would be really long and boring for people to listen to us go, whoops, and have to fix it again. There's lots of fixing. So, yes, that is the question of how we make our podcast. Thank you, everyone who has asked that. Yeah. Uh, I did not think it would be enough to make an entire episode about it, which looking now at how long we've talked about it is totally true. I think you have one. I do. Uh, this is a, a sample but we get many uh, on this particular subject. So anytime we're talking about something that is more than 2000 years old. Yeah. This we get is this email from our listener, Richard. And he says, dear friends, I was so enjoying the podcast on ice cream until at seven minutes and two seconds. One of you referred to a date as CE and I wanted to gag. I'm glad I wasn't eating ice cream. Me too, because that would be unpleasant. Uh, both for the ice cream and for Richard. Uh, real historians don't use these made up designations. BC and AD are universally understood and do the job quite nicely. Thank you. BCE and CE are just obfuscators that serve no valuable purpose. Uh, I love the podcast, but would love it a lot more if you'd stick to more authentic designators of your reference. Using accurate terms to avoid using offensive and formerly common ones is great and to be encouraged. For example, Asian, African American, marriage equality, etc. But political correctness for the sake of political correctness is so last decade. Let's get with it. Thank you for listening to me moan. This one's a real pet peeve of mine. We get this one a lot. We do. We're not the only ones that do that. No. So that's actually a standard that we moved to on How Stuff Works as a website after many years of following the Associated Press style standard of using BC and AD when talking about dates. So if you are unfamiliar with all these, what all these things stand for, BC stands for Before Christ. AD stands for Anno Domini, which means the year of our Lord. And you will also hear people say after death. Which is not what it means. No, but that's kind of their um, uh, shorthand version of it. Yes, that's also why when you look at dates, it, it's the, the AD part is supposed to come before the date because it's like the year of our Lord. 2013. Right. Not 2013, the year of our Lord. Right. So uh, BCE and, and CE stand for before the common era and common era. And there are sometimes people will say that CE stands for various other things. But the general uh, accepted notation is that it's before the common era and common era. And the whole idea is to be more inclusive of non-Christian people. When we were using BC and AD as a web a website standard, we did periodically get uh, very kind and gracious emails from people who would sort of remind us that our visitors to the website are uh, many, many of them not from the United States, from other nations where the predominant religion is not Christianity. I know that most, uh, still the majority of people in the United States identify with Christianity as in some form as their religion, but that is really not the case in the whole world. So we made this decision thoughtfully after some pretty extensive consideration uh, in order to be more inclusive and to recognize the fact that our audience is a global audience and not just an American audience. Um, so that's thing number one. Mm-hmm. Um, thing number two is that usually when we get these emails, the flavor of the question uh, seems to assume that that BCE and CE are like a brand new thing that we just thought of within the last couple of years to try to be politically correct. It's not the case at all. That is really not the case at all. Um, Get ready because they're <laughs> shockingly elderly. Well, just at the more in the more recent time when I was in college, most of my history and humanities and literature textbooks used BCE and CE as Mine's their too. notation. 
And that, at this point, was at least 15 years ago that I was reading them, which meant that they were published and, and edited and things like that prior to that. Yeah. Um, but really, the idea of common era goes all the way back to the 17th century, and it was widely used in Jewish scholarship by the 18th century. And then BCE has existed since at least 1881. So this is a much older notation than people give it credit for. Uh, the other thing that we're giving people credit for is the ability to figure things out from context. Um, I pretty much trust listeners to be able to figure things out from context and, and to not need to define every single thing that we talk about. Yeah. So uh, while I get that it might throw somebody for a loop the first time they hear somebody use BCE and CE instead of BC and AD, uh, I pretty much trust that people can figure out what that means. And if they are still confused, can go look it up. But now we have the definition right here in this episode. Yeah. Uh, for anyone who would like to have it. Yeah. And it's, it's one of those things I get, like everybody's got a peeve. I have tons of them. Mm-hmm. But yeah. at the end of the day, that's my peeve to live with. And, and it's, it's definitely a decision that we made to be more inclusive of everyone, not to exclude Christians, which seems to be the concern uh, sometimes. Yeah, the Which concern sometimes the that we at get. All. No, and we're, it's definitely an attempt to be more broad in who we are speaking to. Yeah. Rather than more narrow. So, hey, Tracy. Yes. Before we get to the next one, which is incidentally also kind of a criticism, uh, do you want to take a moment and talk about our sponsor? Let's do. Now we will move on to another somewhat critical question that we get pretty often. This is from Donna, who says, are you guys even looking at the iTunes feedback for the History Podcast? I'm sorry to say, but the current women's voices are very tough to take. I've always loved the History Podcast up until they started this year, but I just can't handle their voices. Please put some nice voices back on. Thank you. I try really hard not to look at our iTunes reviews. Uh, yeah, I don't. I mean, there's there's only so much it will accomplish other than making either of us feel self-conscious or cruddy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um that's what you got. <laughs> I I sometimes check in on our iTunes reviews to see if the like if the tide of iTunes has turned. Uh and and the answer at this point is like it has shifted a tiny bit <laughs> from when we came on the podcast. <laughs> but just a tiny bit. If according to our iTunes reviews, like this podcast is circling the drain with listeners leaving in droves because you and I have terrible voices. And that is not the case by any other metric that we have. Yeah. Literally. And I don't want to discount people that don't care for me. That's fine. You're totally entitled to not like me. There are certainly people, um, celebrities and radio personalities and just day to day people that I'm not wild about. Oh yeah. Everybody's got that. But I, I don't, it yeah. doesn't seem to be playing out in terms of like our download numbers or no. Our, so we had a record breaking month in October for the entire podcast. Yeah. Which was just a hooray. Thanks huge. to our listeners. Yes. Uh, the, one of the things that comes up pretty often is they don't have voices for radio. And I think the people who say that aren't listening to the same radio that I'm listening to because I hear all kinds of voices on the radio and all kinds of voices in podcasts. Yeah. Uh, they're real humans. It's not people yeah. that have been. Like, my goal in life is to be a DJ or to be a talk radio host. We're here because we're into history. Mm-hmm. And that's pretty much, you know, the jam. Yeah. I always take comfort in uh 
an interview I heard with Ira Glass once where he talks about how often he gets people that talk about how horrible his voice is and they cannot bear to listen to his various foibles and his, you know, throat catching and his ums and he's right. like, but I just kept going. Yeah. And I adore Ira Glass. Ira Glass definitely has a very distinctive voice. Yeah. As does Sarah Vowell. Oh, I love Sarah Vowell. I love her so much. I mean, to me, she's always going to be Violet Incredible. But mm-hmm. <laughs> even though I have seen her speak about Lincoln and other historical things in my head, it's always Violet Incredible. Yes. <laughs> so for people who wonder, yes, we occasionally look at our iTunes reviews. Do not be concerned. We are not losing listeners in droves in spite of what you may read there. Yeah. And I, I you know, I worry sometimes that uh, there's always this ongoing thing of like where people went and did People, oh, yeah. People yeah. still think that we fired Sarah and or Dublina and took over, which couldn't be further from the truth. We both love them. Let's just dispel this right now. Zero people have ever been fired from stuff you missed in history class. Yeah. It's always been a case of people, you know, moving on in their careers, wanting to take on new challenges. Yeah. Um, some people have taken new challenges at How Stuff Works or Discovery, and some people have taken on new roles at other companies. And pretty much I've supported every one of those decisions. Yeah. And I, we're still all pals. I was texting with Dublina last night about horrible television that we both love. Yay. Uh, so, it, yeah, I, I don't. Yes. I, I'm, I'm saddened when people think it's somehow a cover up and we're sneaky and something bad has happened to those girls. I'm like, nope, no, they're good. And I still love them both. Yeah. Uh, so, well, and everyone from before, Katie also. Yeah. And, uh, and Candace also and Jane also. I'm like, yeah, people from before my time at House of Work. Yeah, we've had this podcast for a really long time. And consequently, as happens in jobs, sometimes people go to work somewhere else. Yeah. Uh, This last one that I have is actually something that's really near to my heart. And that's why I keep typing out the same long, long answer <laughs> every time someone asks me. Uh, and so this is from Kelsey. Kelsey says, hello, ladies. I adore your podcast. I've been listening since they were five minutes long, which is back in the Josh and Candace Yeah, way early. Um, Anyway, I'm reading a book in my college English class, The Immortal Life of Henrietta Lacks. I'm only halfway through and can see 10 different podcast subjects that I think you all would enjoy. Henrietta Lacks is responsible for the polio vaccine, cloning, gene mapping, and so much more that I mentioned she was a poor black woman who died in 1951. This woman, better known as Gila, and her cells stolen by John Hopkins Hospital when she went in for cervical cancer, her cells are still alive. But Henrietta remains unknown and her family didn't know about the cells until recently. People made millions on her cells and her family can't even afford health insurance. The immortal life of Henrietta Lacks has race relations, power, and privilege struggles, and so much more. I hope you guys can do a podcast on her. Kelsey. Henrietta Lacks is probably the most requested podcast subject. Followed closely by the Quints. Followed closely by the Dion Quints. And these two stories have something really important in common, which is that they are all people who their their story and their place in history involves having their privacy fundamentally violated by people who are in a position of power. Right. So Henrietta Lacks, her privacy was fundamentally violated when her cells were removed from her body without her knowledge or consent. And then used to make lots of money. Yeah. Um, the Dion Quints were removed from their parents. Uh, these are a set of quintuplets who were born sometime in the past. I don't remember the exact year, but they were removed from their parents and basically brought up in this 
sort of a laboratory situation as almost test subjects. Mm-hmm. Um, fundamentally, their privacy was invaded by... Before they ever could have even had a consciousness yeah. to consent or not. They could not. They were, they were babies. Uh, and so in the case of Henrietta Lacks, she has kin who are still alive. In the case of the Dion quintuplets, there are, uh, the last time I looked, two of them still living. Yes. I am not disparaging any work anyone else has done on any of these people. Uh, and even of the other angles on the story that, um, with Henrietta Lacks that people have house, at House of Works have done, like we have an article on HeLa Cells. Mm-hmm. We have other podcasts that have been on HeLa Cells. Uh, for the purpose of this podcast, though, I am much more inclined to allow Henrietta Lacks to have her privacy in her death, especially since there are so many other readily available materials yeah. easily accessible for her. That's kind of my thing, is that we've reached a point where what more are we going to add to the discussion? Yeah, and there isn't really anything that doesn't already exist. And both of these stories have been publicized a great deal. Uh, you know, certainly because the book came out about Henrietta Lacks. Yeah. Well, and her life story is, is pretty much out there. It, it really, and the book is a global bestseller that's been translated into like a double digit numbers of yeah. languages. Yeah. It's um, not like a secret book nobody knows about. It's definitely <laughs> super, it's super popular. Out there. And one of the reasons we get so many requests is because so many people are reading it, which yeah. is great. And any episode that we would do would essentially be rehashing right that story and uh, and that's really not what i want to do in in that kind of a circumstance i think if you're interested in the life of henrietta Lacks, uh you can get that book from the library or you can buy it in a store there's also an audiobook version of it there is a movie deal in the works that oprah win oprah winfrey is involved in so yeah. that would nat- naturally have access to a lot more than we could really do um, and if you're looking for something that's more podcast-like, there is an episode of All Things Considered from NPR that you can listen to on the web for free. So there's lots and lots out there on Henrietta Lacks. And for a number of point, reasons... it's not something that is not discussed and needs to be unearthed and examined. Yeah, yeah. The the Any examination we would be doing is actually a retelling of an examination that someone else has already done. And I would much rather let that person's work... Uh, which is Rebecca Sloot, um, stand on its own. Uh, and with the Quints, it's kind of the same thing. Yeah. They're, they've been covered in books, certainly on television, certainly on, uh, in various periodicals and other publications. We're not going to add a lot to that. Right. That isn't pretty readily available yeah. to most people. Yeah. It's not like we're going to magically find some pattern recognition that exposes some element of the story that no one else has thought of before. Yeah. It's all been covered pretty thoroughly. Yeah. I keep agreeing with you. Yes. I often just agree with you. So <laughs> hooray for that. So yeah, we, sometimes when I write that letter back to people, I, they, they are kind of angry and say, well, but her, her family wants her story to be known. And I am, I am okay with that. And you know, I, I'm not trying to speak for her family. I'm just trying to speak for us and, uh, uh, and, and what we, uh, want to to be able to to put into the podcast versus what already stands pretty well on its own, which yep. to me that work really does. So since we're doing this all about listener mail, yeah, we we don't we're have, not going to read listener mail. Yeah, we don't have a separate listener mail at the end of this episode. But if you would like to write to us about any of these questions or anything else, you can. We are at historypodcast at discovery dot com. 
We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash history class stuff and on Twitter at Missed in History. Our Tumblr is mistinhistory.tumblr.com and we are on Pinterest. If you would like to learn more about Henrietta Lacks, who I know many, many, many of you do, uh, we have an article on the website, which is one of the many things that I do feel pretty comfortable about. And if it were a science podcast that we were on, we might do that. And that is the HeLa cells that came about as a result of her medical treatment. You can come to the website, you can search HeLa, H-E-L-A, cells, and you will find how HeLa cells work, which is an article about the cells that came from Henrietta Lacks. You can do all that and a whole lot more at our website, which is HowStuffWorks.com. For more on this and thousands of other topics, visit HowStuffWorks.com. 